Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest on this episode, we've got Marcus Quam back on the show. Marcus from Webster, South Dakota. We had him on this spring talking about spring fishing in Northeast South Dakota and uh, having him back on here in the fall talk fall fishing. A great conversation with Marcus. Marcus uh, guides full time down there year round. He's a wealth of information, and uh, you know, just I just I just love his perspective and his strategy to catching fall walleyes down there. Because Northeast South Dakota, we talk about it all the time uh, on this show. Anytime we're talking about uh, you know that region, is just how many lakes are down there, all the opportunities that are down there, but also how diverse it is. There's big lakes that have deep water and have structure and are full of all kinds of nuancey things. And then there's the, all the potholes, the smaller bodies of water, the hidden gems, uh, you know, all that, all the stuff that, you know, those little dish bowls that are smaller, uh, in size and, and, uh, you know, they all have their own flavor. And in the fall, uh, as Marcus talks about that, I find really interesting and important to note, uh, when you're talking about Northeast South Dakota, it's really just like the whole region. It's like a destination, uh, for fishing, you know, winter and summer or open water. We talk about the fall where it's a transition time everywhere. There's just things happening and, and there's just, there, there's, there's movements happening. There's just, uh, you know, the patterns, you know, are different. There's changes happening. And, and we talk about how to stay on fish and down there with the diverse lakes, there's just all kinds of different things going on. And, uh, or, or, the, or they're happening, the same things are happening, they're just happening on a different timeline. The, the, as Marcus talks about, the shallower lakes, you know, they cool off a lot quicker. You know, so that fall bite really turns on a lot quicker and the smaller bodies of water, they're shallower, they, they cool down quicker. And then, you know, kind of, you know, if you're ever running into to tougher days there, then you can, you know, just literally load up the boat and drive a few miles down the road and, and get a little bigger lake a little uh, some of the bigger lakes are as Marcus explains a little bit more durable they're deeper they don't go through the drastic ups and downs and and you can find some consistencies there and also more opportunities they're bigger bodies of water more more patterns might be going on there and so there's just a lot you know just a lot of cool things to talk about and, and getting a chance to hear Marcus talk about what he loves about fall fishing so much is just fun for me and hearing the stories of, you know both him fishing on his own and guiding and anyways uh not to get too ahead of myself here uh I just really appreciate Marcus's time this was also scheduled and done on very short notice which I really appreciate uh you know with Marcus uh, being able to get in touch with them and and uh lock down a podcast on short notice not real easy to do it doesn't happen very often uh scheduling is is definitely uh can be a trick for this and so I just want to definitely shout out Marcus for being so clutch and being able to do it on short notice but uh yeah Great conversation, talking fall walleyes in Northeast South Dakota with Marcus Quam. Let's get to it. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CT360 from Brew City. The CT360 is a low-profile, heavy-duty pole mounting system made specifically for forward-facing sonar. The usability, the ease of installation, the CT360 can be installed on a rail, on a track system, it can be fastened right to the gunnel, and the durability made out of nothing but high-quality materials is what sets the CT360 apart for Brew City. For more information, head to BrewCityTMS.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. If you have any fishing memory or a fish that you would like to commemorate, 
with a replica or you have questions about getting fish replicas done, reach out to Jamie Rizavi from Rizavi Taxidermy Studio in New Rockford, North Dakota. Jamie and his crew do next level work here at the JMO headquarters. We are blessed to have so many replicas made by Jamie. Reach out. You can find them on social media or online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com. The link is in the description of this podcast. If you want to enjoy all the abundant fishing and hunting opportunities that Northeast South Dakota has to offer, there's no better place to stay than at Roy Lake State Park. Come shoot your limit of ducks or pheasants, then hit the lake and catch you a limit of walleyes all in a day. Roy Lake State Park provides both modern cabins and suites with all the comforts of home at a reasonable price. Go to GoOutdoorSouthDakota.com to reserve your fall hunting and fishing destination. I'm excited to see where this goes, but man, time of year right now, like fall fishing, that's what I want to spring on you, man. Like fall fishing in your part of the world. Uh, what are you thinking of? Like, what are the topics we got to address? What are some, just some fun things that, um, you know, stories we could tell or just where should we go with fall fishing from Northeast South Dakota? Cause I haven't, I don't think I've had anybody on from your part of the world yet in a while. So this is the best time to be on the water as far as I'm concerned. Unfortunately, it's like the shortest time of the year, right? Yeah. You got hunting seasons opening up, you got winter looming and a short period of time. So, I mean, I've been on all yesterday. I think I was just getting on the water when you texted me, but um, this is kind of where things kind of reverse and go back to similar situations on where they are in the spring. I know a lot of our lakes, uh, we're catching these fish shallow again, and uh, it's a lot of pitching, so it is fun. You know, one one thing that I guess gets repeated a lot, which is is important, you know, we look at that eastern or northeastern South Dakota. It's the land of opportunity. You got tons of lakes, uh, tons of opportunity. That can't really be understated. Um, but when you talk about these fall patterns, talking about the big picture there where you're at, like, do you feel like these fall patterns, you know, talking about catching them shallow again, it's a casting bite. Is that pretty universal? Is that, um, are there some situations that we need to kind of pick apart where it's kind of like more relevant in certain situations and maybe other situations it's a little different? Talk to me about that. Well, I think there's a couple different things. And what I look for in the fall is typically not the biggest lakes, but maybe smaller lakes where you start seeing some uh, water temp drop quicker than what a big body of water would be. Um, uh, this year is kind of like it went off on a light bulb or like a light bulb. We were fishing a smaller lake. Uh, we were doing a lot of trolling. Um, we still had water temps in, I would say the low seventies it was, and we were cranking and all of a sudden we kind of got that first cold front. And I noticed before this, we were still having some bug hatches and all of a sudden we got that first cold front bug hatches disappeared we were fishing i noticed that the bait had disappeared where we were fishing there's still a few fish around and all of a sudden it's like all right this trolling's not working the fish only do a couple things they only care about eating and i was like well the bait's gone so where did the bait go well the bait slid back into the weeds and then that was like all right this is the first start of fall these fish are pushing up food went back into the weeds because there was no more bugs for those fish to eat in the mud And then 
we had mid-60s for water temps, and I don't know. I've been casting and fishing shallow for at least a month now in some of these bodies of water. And we got water as low as 47 that I've seen this last week. So I just feel like that bait holds on to, well, the bait decides what the fish is going to do. So it depends on your body of water. But on some of these lakes that I like fishing in the fall, those that bait goes to the weeds and those walleyes are right behind them. Is, are those big moves? Are those typically big moves or is it, you know, you're kind of on fish one day. Do you kind of feel it coming where maybe the, the, you know, that, that late summer pattern is kind of dwindling. Um, and you just gotta, you know, basically just slide in 40 yards or 10 yards, or is this a deal where it's really wind driven and all of a sudden those Northwest winds blow, they go across the lake and set up totally different. Like maybe talk a little bit about that and just how big that transition can be. Well, like I said, in the smaller bodies of water, it's happens faster and it's easier to pick up on it because you are not marking those fish, but I wouldn't say a lot of it's, I would say some of it's wind driven because I'm always trying to fish on a side that's got some wave action blowing with it or against it. Um, But I would, I would say it's more of a temperature deal and just the days getting shorter, more or less than a wind driven fact. Um, I mean, this year it just seems like it was easier for me to transition for some reason because I went from having really good days trolling to all of a sudden the fish started getting smaller and there was less of them. And you can, you know, see on your side imaging, you're not seeing the balls of the fish or as many marks. And and it was like, all right, well, I'm kind of where they should be or where they were. And you're making these loops and you're just continually trolling. So I'm out guiding and we're out here eight hours a day. And it's like, I'm just going to leave the kicker down or whatever and just keep going. And you're like, I'm going to eventually run into them again. And all of a sudden you're not running into them again. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, there's only one other thing to go when I'm trolling. It's or not one other way to go but this time of year i'm like well if they're not out here i know they went tucked back in so that's when you start noticing more fish maybe on tips of points with rocks or something like that where they're not out in the mud they're starting to more move to a point or a hump with some rocks and then you see a few more fish and then you reel up your lines a little bit more and you get a little bit tighter and then you're driving along a weed line and all of a sudden you're seeing, okay, there's fish all over the weed line. So I would rather cast than troll. So it's like, well, let's reel these in and try casting. And, you know, you drop the trolling motor and you got the live on it. And when you uh, don't know which target to cast at, that's, that's when you know it's going to be good. That's a good problem to have, man. Yeah, talk to me about your success there. I mean, where, you know, when when you really get into those fish, you know, yeah, like you say, sometimes it's, you know, under good conditions, it can just be a target-rich environment. But what are some things that you feel like can really set apart, you know, a great day from a good day? Um, you know, what, you know, what kind of conditions in your mind are like, is like the best day of fall? So my favorite days in the fall are lower wind days. Um, 
I like it where that temperature can actually come up like a couple degrees. So I'll kind of go back to the spring pattern where I'm going to leave town a little bit later because when that sun comes up and that water will poke up a degree or two, it seems like those fish get charged up a little bit better. So my ideal stuff would be like 10 mile an hour or less wind and a sunny day. That seems like my better days in the fall. I don't, I don't like the dark cloudy days. I don't want a big wind because then that wind is rolling and changing the temperature of the lake to maybe cooler than warmer. I'd like to see it come up a degree or two. And that's, that's how I feel like my better days are in the fall. I do want colder nights because I think that's going to drive the fish to feed heavier, but if it can kind of flatten out and warm up throughout the day, just a degree or two, it doesn't need to be anything crazy, but it seems like a lot of those bites that are good for me are like that noon to two, noon to three, kind of when that water's about to peak. Yeah. That's when those fish start going really good. What are, what are some other details that you feel like sort of set, you know, just really set up really well for a great bite? Um, you know, whether it's, uh, um, you know, just like the type of spots that you feel like hold a little bit more fish or or maybe, um, you know, what you've done over the years to target bigger fish. Um, is it is it just as simple as being on the right lake that has big fish in it? Or can you break down a lake, you know, any given lake and maybe find patterns where bigger fish are setting up maybe a little differently than the eaters say? Well, I, I think I think it's definitely more spot orientated in the fall than in the spring. Like in the springtime, you can just kind of go down a general shoreline and catch more fish. I, I feel like you need a, a few more pieces of structure cover. I like fishing spots that are kind of more your typical walleye spots, like a point and something with a, a little bit sharper drop going in deep water. Um, I feel like these fish are, maybe moving more they're going to come up and they're going to either digest their food when they're warm or they're eating up there when they're warm but they want quick access to deeper water i like spots that have rock on it and i like spots that have weeds next to the rocks um i was guiding on sunday and i had or saturday saturday and sunday i had the same group but i had a dad and two kids and we kind of had a big cold front come through and it was, it was funny. I didn't hear about this till the end of the day where dad told the kids we'd be lucky to catch a walleye just with the, the way the weather came in. And we got out there at you know, 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever it was. And I was like, all right, guys, it's gonna, it might take a little bit to get on some fish here because it was a little bit cloudier in the morning and whatever. I was like, we're going to find them. Just, just be patient with me. You know, I don't know what time they're going to eat today. And I think I was on spot number six and I had pulled up on a point with some rocks and there's weeds on the backside of these rocks where it got shallower. And, and, uh, I turned the live scope and I, I was like, all right, they're, they're here. I hit spot lock and I pitched a jig and I caught one of my first cast. And I think I had those guys using jerk baits or and crank baits and different things because we were just covering water earlier, and I was just scanning and looking. And I, I go, all right, there's 
three rods right there with jigs and plastics boys just reel in your crankbait and grab one of those and i think i had to tie one more on for dad or something like that so i'm tying and we're talking and i look up and both boys are doubled and i'm like yep this is i told you boys this is how it's gonna be and i think that's when he told me he, he thought we'd be lucky if we caught a walleye that day yeah man no man those are the memories too i imagine as a guide you got all kinds of those kind of stories which i think are great um and you talked a little bit about presentations and stuff like we can go any direction any anything that we're covering right now that is still just like you know like what's your favorite topic when it comes to fall oh my my favorite thing to fish in the fall is a uh like a jerk shad or a jerk minnow or a fluke or any any just straight tail or it's split tail minnow um and typically i'm running five inches i mean these fish are feeding on perch and walleyes and whatever i mean they're they're just eating right now right and i i'm not i don't go finesse at all i mean honestly i'm fishing three to eight foot of water with a three eighths to a half ounce jig with one of those like it's it's all about just putting your bait in front of a fish and you don't it's not (laughs) it's not a as much of a presentation as it is making sure you're just putting your jig where those fish are um i know a lot of guys look at me like i'm crazy but i'm like they're hungry they're eating i was like I don't know if I've used a quarter ounce jig this fall yet. I think the latest one I've used is a three eighths. That would be my favorite bait, but I do still run husky jerks and uh, shadow wraps and, and different types of jerk baits at times too. And, and I think those are great ways to cover water faster while you're looking. And so maybe throw on a jig, but with, the forward facing game i'm not even casting unless i see a fish so yeah are you on forward mode all the time or are you kind of on that like like scout mode like like how are you operating like as far as that goes both <laughs> yeah um i i added another live scope to the boat this this summer so i got one on a uh brew city pole and then I got the one on my trolling motor shaft, and uh, I will, if we're just hitting some of these shallower flat spots, I will put the one on the uh, perspective or scout mode or whatever you want to call it, and then I leave the one on forward in my boat. But, I mean, if you're going to pick one, I just pick forward because I can just use it like I explained to guys. It's like a flashlight, right? Yeah, I'm just turning my trolling motor, looking with the flashlight, turning back out, driving, turning the flashlight back in and look. But um, in in a lot of these spots, I mean, where you're fishing the edge of the rocks, I mean, your side imaging is is going to show you if there's fish there or not too. a lot of these sand or gravel flats. I mean, those fish pop. You're going to see them. The weeds are dying, so you're not fishing as much in the weeds as you were earlier in the year all that stuff's receding so i mean i'm got a screen with side imaging and i got two screens with a scout mode or perspective mode and one with a forward mode right on man i want to go back um you know talking about your presentation and your your heavy heavier jigs 
It, it yep. allows you to kind of fish fast, probably pretty efficient. Like you said, ultimately, you're able to, you know, through those efficiencies, have a bait in front of fish, you know, in conjunction with your sonar where you know where the fish are, you know, you're casting into fish, um, you know, it, it's just like a numbers thing. It's just like your, your bait's in front of a fish more often, you know, for more amount of time. That That's the deal. But talk to me a little bit more about like the fishing, the the cadence, um, and just how you're fishing, because you're talking about fishing weeds in and around weeds. Well, you know, uh, right away I'm thinking, you know, if you're fishing shallow and in and around weeds, you know, keeping baits clean, and then you're you're talking about using heavier jigs, um, so you you're gonna have to fish fat. T- talk to me a little bit about that and really paint that picture of what it is about a little heavier jig that you feel like just works the best, and how you fish it to stay clean, stay efficient, and, you know, just get bites in shallow in and around weeds. Well, so these fish are moving faster this time of year because they're looking for food. So by having that heavier jig, if I see that fish on the sonar, it's going to fall right on top of them. It's kind of like guys using jigging wraps and casting, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're seeing this fish, you pitch out, and I would say, if I'm using my life and I cast on top of a fish with a three eighths or a half ounce jig and a, and a fluke, a lot of times I don't even need to hop it. Like they're hitting it on the way down or when it hits and they'll pin it right next to them. Um, but it's a, it's a simple cadence. If you're just fishing it and not watching on a live, I mean, I just pitch it out, make sure it hits bottom and I'll give it one or two rips and I keep a tight line on the fall, and then when it hits bottom, I just do it, and it's it's as easy as it gets, I'd say, because you're just, even if you have some wind, you're going to be able to fill that jig easier. Um, this is not a f- finesse presentation, so I don't feel like a guy needs mono this time of year. I'm running 10-pound braid and 15-pound fluorocarbon leaders. And it's, yeah, it's, it's more or less just having a bait in front of a fish. So the presentation's super simple with an easy cadence. If you have any fishing memory or a fish that you would like to commemorate with a replica, or you have questions about getting fish replicas done, reach out to Jamie Rizzavi from Rizzavi Taxidermy Studio in New Rockford, North Dakota. Jamie and his crew do next level work here at the JMO headquarters. We are blessed to have so many replicas made by Jamie. Reach out. You can find them on social media or online at RizzaviTaxidermyStudio.com. The link is in the description of this podcast. If you want to enjoy all the abundant fishing and hunting opportunities that Northeast South Dakota has to offer, there's no better place to stay than at Roy Lake State Park. Come shoot your limit of ducks or pheasants, then hit the lake and catch you a limit of walleyes all in a day. Roy Lake State Park provides both modern cabins and suites with all the comforts of home at a reasonable price. Go to GoOutdoorSouthDakota.com to reserve your fall hunting and fishing destination. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CT360 made by Brew City. The CT360 is a heavy-duty, low-profile, very versatile pole mounting system made specifically for operating forward-facing sonar. 
This is a very durable product made out of high quality materials, very versatile and easy to use as well as easy to install. It can be incorporated onto a rail system or a track or just attached directly to the gunnel if you know exactly where you want it to be. For more information on Brew City's CT360 pole mounting system, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That is BrewCityTMS.com. What are some things you do during tougher conditions? Like we're talking about good conditions. You, you know, you're talking about how you operate under good conditions and, and what a day, you know, some examples of what days like that go. But talk to me about some of the days in the fall when you're guiding and it's been a kind of a grind. What, what would you say more grindy conditions are in the fall and what do you got to do to sort of salvage a day there? All yesterday I had probably one of the tougher days I've had this year and uh I wasn't seeing a lot of fish I didn't have I had a little bit more wind than I wanted had more cloud cover um seemed like the fish were scattered so yesterday to catch our fish we went to a half ounce jig with a five inch swim bait and we just covered water I mean it was just hitting key spots and it seemed like it didn't matter. They still bit that bigger bait with that heavier jig, but it was all about making as many casts as you could on key spots. I don't, there's probably going to be some times here when the water drops cooler, but when we're between this, I would say 60 to 47 degree of what it is, I'll still catch fish even on tougher days. Um, using a bigger, heavier bait than I would <clears throat> other times of the year. Now, when this water probably goes down to 45, you might have to go to like eight quarter ounce jig in a minnow or something like that. But the biggest thing in the fall to me is just being where the fish are. It's not, it's not any kind of secret or super crazy presentation. It's, it's all about location. And typically when you find fish, there's going to be multiples there. They're not going to be spread out. They're schooled up and they're, they're looking for food. Right on. So getting back along those lines, you know, you talked about it earlier, but you know, just some more questions along that lines of finding fish. Like when you, when you're on these, in these smaller lakes, you know, just by default, that probably helps with like a water breakdown scenario. Like if somebody's thinking smaller lakes, or maybe, you know, thinking about your your part of the world is obviously it's a destination, you know, region. So people, a lot of people go there and maybe they fished a lake before. They fished it in the summer, you know, for the last, you know, for a week, for the last, uh, off and on, for the last five, ten years of their life. But maybe they're going there for the fall the first time. I mean, that's all, it's all new stuff. It's like fishing for the first time. You kind of got to approach it objectively like it's a new body of water if you haven't been there in a while or maybe you've never fished at that time of year. So I, I like that part of the conversation. For you, like on a lot of those lakes, are you talking like 
spots that are pretty easy to find on a map, just the big classic spots, maybe even like community spots? Or are you still having your best days, maybe looking for sweet spots that don't have any pressure? Still looking for some of those tucked away little spots that maybe nobody's finding? Like, like, or is it just, um, you know, just covering the big prominent points and things that, uh, that somebody could ultimately maybe research on a map? I would say the community spots are as good as any, just depending on how much pressure you've had on them, right? I mean, the more boats that are on them, the more fish that are getting taken off, uh, the water's cleaning and clearing up, so the fish will spook a little bit easier. But, I mean, this is the time of year when, you know, honestly, hunting season's opening, so there's less guys fishing. You can go to these big points and different things and you're gonna not have to deal with as many people there's still other stuff off the beaten path that you can find that's really really good um but you're gonna have to put your time in and and side imaging and look around and different things but i mean these fit i don't know (laughs) i love the fall it's good it's it's i would say when you figure it out it's pretty pretty easy to catch fish in my opinion right Um, on man fish are just willing to bite and a cold front in the fall is not near as bad as what a cold front in the spring is i mean you can go from having two crappy days and say your trips the day after well don't worry about it hopefully the sun comes out and it's calm because those fish are gonna fire back up like it's no it's a good time of the year and on these bigger lakes right now that don't have a lot of weeds and different things, uh, they're all out eating little little perch and different things. I mean, trolling the basin can be a great way to find fish, too. It just kind of depends on what kind of lake you're fishing on. I like fishing the smaller lakes with more of the weeds and that kind of stuff. But on these bigger lakes, I know there's been a couple days where it's been tougher, where we've had to go to the big lakes, and we've just been trolling lead core. And, yeah, you've as soon as you mark them you catch them yeah man like when you when it's a tough day on a smaller lake is it like are you finding the fish and they're just maybe a little bit finicky and you just kind of run out of spots like like what does the bigger lake offer in your mind talk a little bit about that the contrast between the bigger lakes and the smaller lakes even more in depth than you already did so with the bigger lakes you don't have a fluctuate as much in the water temperature as you will the smaller ones so I think that helps, like, the smallest lakes I've been fishing right now are 47 degrees, and the big ones are still about high 50s, 57, 59 degrees. So, I mean, even in a couple-week period, that small lake's dropped, what, almost 10, 12 degrees less than a big lake. So they don't move as fast. So you're, you got more options on the bite probably lasting longer like the best bite could already be done on these little lakes because they've already fed heavier but the bigger lakes like it's just a longer process it doesn't cool down as fast so these fish don't transition quite as fast so you got i would say you got more areas and spots to look for fish because they're not they're behind the other ones i uh it spreads your season out a little bit that's another thing too that I enjoy, you know, you know, every time that there's a transition, you know, in seasons from one to the next, you know, when you look at like 
Northeast South Dakota. That's just one of the beauties of it is like just even the footprint of where you guide. We've talked about it before, like in the spring and, you know, same thing in the fall where it's like you've got such a diverse, um, you know, water bodies there that they're, they're all going through everything on, on a different timeline and you can capture the best of um for a little bit you know that 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 window of of the you know that best fall bite is really extended there whereas somebody else that's maybe fishing a a home body of water you know and and that's just when they think of fall fishing they think about fishing a body of water and and it's just that that one window or that you know that one lake that they break down each time they go out but you know talking to you i just enjoy that part well, and those big lakes have bigger, deeper structure too. So like these small lakes, I, I'm not going out on uh, main lake points or humps for jig wrap fishing because there aren't any, right? Yeah. Like, so I guess that's one way that makes it easier to find fish is like, okay, I'm going to fish this lake today. And there's like a couple ways I can fish it. I can troll the edges or the basin, or I can get on the weed line and cast the weed line. Whereas if you go to a big lake, well, you have, you know, maybe flooded roads and rock piles and and deeper points and structure where you can, you know, jig wrap, lindy rig, do whatever and troll deep or you can fish shallow and pitch shorelines. But maybe that's why I don't know. It's, it's trying to explain what I do sometimes is. It's hard. I don't know. <laughs> no, man, that's perfect. I like, I like just, you know, just touching on it, you know, just touching on yeah. it as a, as a subject that, you know, for somebody to, to think about, oh, you know, or, or maybe there, you know, somebody's listening to this that's never been to Northeast South Dakota. If you, if you pay attention whatsoever to, to walleye fishing in the Midwest, you know that it's a destination area and that there's all kinds of lakes and all kinds of opportunities there, but it's really painting that picture that it is diverse. And maybe some it, people might have strengths, uh, you know, of their own, or maybe they're trying to get better at fishing, say plastics versus a jig and a minnow, right? Like there's big portions yep. of the Midwest where it really, a lot of these lakes throughout the year, spring, summer, fall, it's, it's a live bait deal. You know, we, we talk about live bait a lot in, in Minnesota. We talk about it, Wisconsin, Iowa, you know, it, it, we've had those conversations in the Dakotas, like there's always a time and a place, but some of those, you know, some of those places, a lot of real avid anglers are still looking for the type of confidence in say, uh, you know, artificial lures, you know, what, you know, talking about jerk baits, talking about soft plastics is that, that those, that casting with or without forward sonar, um, you know, and, and just, it's really fun to have these conversations and just really highlight like, and if you're looking to pad your stats, if you're looking for really just a great opportunity and, and it's driving distance from everywhere in the Midwest, like South Dakota is like so perfectly located. Um, it, it, there's so many people that, that a half a day's drive, you're within so many people. Um, and uh, there's just so many walleyes that are willing to eat shallow and you can cast at them. And I think that it's great to have that conversation about upside space. I, I, you know, I don't, I think that's, that's a very great take. I take a lot away from that. And I'm already thinking about, you know, for myself, you know, like, you know, you go out just generally thinking you're going to fish aggressively and that fall isn't a time to be, you know, uh, regressing to finesse tactics, even under tougher conditions, you're thinking about even upsizing so that you can fish faster and cover more areas. Like 
that is not the conversation that happens necessarily any other you know time of year probably uh and, and it's just not in most people's vocabulary so i just love listening to you talk about that and you know to capture that for a fall bite like i think there's a ton of reasons why people should have this uh you know what we're talking about where you're at um you know, on their bucket list, uh, or at least just really high on their priority list of fishing opportunities. If you like to catch walleyes at all, fall fishing is something that we talk about a lot, you know, that's being underappreciated, but just some of these places and the way some of the lakes set up where you're at is really unique. And there's not a lot of examples of it anywhere else. And to be able to fish it like that, man, it, like you said, it just sounds like so much fun. How would you say, how would you say your area is fishing right now? Like in your career, the stories, you, you know, you're plugged into the fishing culture down there. Um, you know, like, you know how it's been even before your time. When you look at, you know, the fishing in your area these days, where does it stack up over time? Like, how's it fishing these days? I think it's a little tougher right now. I, with as many good days as I've had, I've kind of bounced around yesterday. I fished two lakes. Um, something is a little different right now. And I don't know if that's because we had high water again the last couple of years and there's that much more forage in the lakes. Um, over my guide trip over the weekend, I only kept fish the one day and they were full little walleyes and perch. Um, so obviously they've been eating really well. Um, yeah, it's just been a little bit tougher. Um, I haven't got to go to as many places and really beat on them as I have in past years. But I don't know if that's because I've, well, the last week and a half, we've had more wind in different weather too, where it's kind of limited me on where I can fish. I mean, there's still plenty of fish and it's been good fishing, but this year's been a little bit tougher, but we still do have time also. I mean, there's, there's still going to be a couple, at least two to three more weeks open water fishing around here where guys are probably going to be able to get out, I think. Yeah, I mean, right, we can't necessarily, you can look at the long-term forecast, but without knowing 100% what the weather's going to be like, I mean, do you, when you have those like, you know, Indian summers, as you call them, like when we get that cold weather and then all of a sudden it warms up again, like, are those kind of those opportunities where you like to get the boat out again one last time where mother nature's just like, you know, it's not quite early ice yet. Like, or, uh, you know, I mean, t- talk me through some of that, like the late stages of fall fishing. Well, I had my boat serviced last week <laughs> for winterization as I'm going to call it. Cause I never winterized my boat. <laughs> sure. Um, I just had oils and fluids and everything changed. I honestly, did the bearings on my trailer and tires on because I'm, I'm like, all right, so I'm going to slow down on guiding. I only got a couple more days left booked right now. And this is the time where I'm like, all right, it's, it's like, I'm going to go fish for fun. So like I got everything done and ready to go because the weather might be a little unstable to almost, you know, book guide trips. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Um, but there's going to be plenty of days where it's like, oh, yeah, it's nice today. We're not going to hunt. We're going to go fishing. So I've honestly, I've I've fished as late as, oh, man, 
like the second week of December out here in a boat. It's been a few years. Um, but I've, I think I caught my, I think I caught my longest walleye in November out here. One of like, I, I have a legit 31 here. Um, and that was docks out snowed the day before and decided to put that boat in the next morning and it was cold, but there's, there's plenty of opportunity if a guy is, uh, willing to work around the weather. Oh yeah. I, uh, I think your more consistent fishing is probably in that first half to middle of October where you're going to have more numbers of catching fish, but you're still going to have plenty of time to go catch fish afterwards. But a lot of those fish have fed and then they're setting up for what I would call first ice early winter transitions also. So this is kind of the time of the year where I can maybe do some scouting here in the next two weeks kind of seeing where maybe some of these perch schools are going to be setting up on these lakes and then early ice. I'll kind of have a waypoint or an area to start at too, you know? Oh yeah, dude. That's a great point. That's a great uh, point. Have you always, have you always been kind of like that? Have you always tried to capture the last few days of fall and talk to me about when you're scouting for early ice? Well, uh, it depends. I, I really, I, I love to hunt. So it kind of depends on how my fall plays out for the hunting also. Um, but no, even before forward facing sonar, we just drive around with the 2D and look for them, you know, inside sure. imaging. Yeah. Um, you get these bigger, deeper lakes, you know, Wabe Bitter. I mean, those fish, you can drive the boat over them and they show up pretty easy. So, um, and typically some of our perch bites are better later. Um, it's, like it was a warm fall, uh, so we haven't seen a lot of the good perch bites yet. But I'm gonna guess we're gonna see those within the next week or two. Kind of start popping up right now. Right on. But I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not the best perch fisherman because when walleyes are biting, I uh, I tend to save those for the winter time. Right on. Fair enough. Fair enough, man. I love it. Well, great conversation, Marcus, man. I, I really, again, I just appreciate on short notice and, uh, you know, I just wanted to talk to you about fall fishing down there. I want to get a, get a good update and, and get some good info. And, and, uh, I, I just, I, I appreciate all of it, you know, talking about, uh, talking about the strategy, talking about the fishing, talking about how you fish is, uh, you know, I think there's just definitely a flavor to that part of the world. There's there, there's a sweetness to going fishing down there that you might not be able to get almost anywhere else. You know, just fishing the way that you guys do down there, you specifically, and just how you've refined your strategy, you know, for fishing uh, just over your career, any time of year, any day that you're out there. But I love hearing about the fall and how much you enjoy it. And uh, definitely, definitely something that's always on my radar is heading down to your part of the world in uh you know, this time of year. So man, I appreciate it, Marcus. And if there's anything else you want to touch on, go ahead. Otherwise we can sign it off. Just promote yourself and where people can get a hold of you and find you if they have questions. So my guide service is Real Therapy Guide Service. I have a website, Real Therapy Guide Service.com. You can get a hold of me at 605 940 9943. 
Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Dakota Angler. They've been uh, helping me out. We partnered up together this year. Rapala and Norse Batteries. I appreciate the time. Once again, I'll say it. And uh, I'll let you go for real this time, man. Great, great talking to you. Yeah, appreciate the call. Thanks.